Indeed. Welcome back in L.A. Gridiron Weekly here on this beautiful Saturday, Saturday. Hope everybody out there driving safe, all buckled up, man. But another treat again each and every week, man. Been so excited to have such great guests and the guests that we have coming up. Uh, a guy who I follow his work is doing a great job with the L.A. Times. He is Ryan Karchi. K-A-R-T-J-E, pronounced Karchi. He's my guy on Twitter, at Ryan underscore Karchi, talking some USC, Ryan. We feel like we haven't talked USC football in forever, and you're my guy to, to uh, give me some of the information that I need as the Trojans, they, they've wrapped up their spring practices, the Trojan huddles, spring showcase, whatever people call it these days. But, but before we start about the 21 Trojans, Let's kind of summarize what happened with the 2020 Trojans, right? Sure. So it was a strange season as it was a strange year for pretty much everyone in 2020. And with USC, it it was kind of hard to get a a good feel for what kind of team they were. I mean, you looked at the five and oh start and just on paper, it would seem like, you know, oh, wow, this team is a, you know, Pac-12 title contender, maybe even a a playoff contender. Right. Uh, right. And there were certain... Certainly like some people who were having that conversation, but you actually watch those games and, you know, three of those games, they really needed late comebacks, you know, fourth quarter heroics from Keaton Slovis, their quarterback, or a number of other players uh, just to make those victories happen against teams. They probably should have beat pretty handily uh, because their their six game schedule last year was, you know, pretty easy as far as, you know, major contenders go. So but they win those first five games and they're in the Pac-12 title game against Oregon, a team that you know was among the youngest in the nation, was definitely a team that had played worse than USC had all season. And USC was frankly run off of their own field. Uh, ultimately, they had a chance to win the Pac-12 title and maybe even have an outside conversation about the about the playoff. But they they kind of blew it on the biggest stage. And, you know, for a lot of people who had doubts or still have doubts about Clay Helton, their coach, uh, that sort of, even just that one loss over those six games kind of reignited those questions again. And that's kind of the Paul, the cloud that will hang over USC as it enters this season, as it has the last three seasons is, is this Clay Helton's last year as USC's coach? And I know a lot of USC fans hope it is that last year. Um, but Still a lot can happen over this next fall, and this is a talented team coming into this next season. It's funny you say that because I feel like every year it's like that for the college football coaches in L.A. Is this the last year you think about USC? Is the, I mean, UCLA, is this the last year for Chip Kelly? And Clay Helton, it seems like every single year, is this is Clay Helton's last year? And I'm like, when was this guy going to get a vote of confidence, right? I mean, we saw the extension a couple of years ago, and people were like, well, why didn't he get an extension? Uh, I think because everyone has these high expectations of national championship or bust, which I understand. That's what the USC mantra has always been. But USC has sort of been down. They've been trying to gain and, and find that quarterback that can get them over the next three years or three years of play that they haven't found since Sam Darnold left. So I'll start this as we get into 21. Let's just start with Clay Helton. What does Clay Helton need to do in 21 to really, I guess, quiet the doubters outside of a national championship you know that resentment is just so deep from this usc fan base or at least from a vocal minority of the fan base that i'm not sure what can be done to repair it uh now that said i think the simple answer is he just needs to win they need to 
be at the very least in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, I think winning, it, he may even need to win a Pac-12 title. Uh, perhaps he needs to win 10 games. So maybe that's the sort of the bar that the USC leadership is looking at. But I think it is pretty clear. This is a make or break season. Yeah. Helton and USC's new leadership in the athletic department has done everything it can in terms of you know, hiring new assistants, putting in more money into recruiting, do uh, focusing a lot on NIL and just kind of things that are upcoming. Uh, but the problem is that, you know, they have all of that infrastructure around the head coach and the head coach is still kind of that question mark. So at this point, there's really no excuses for him. So uh, this is a team that could theoretically, at least talent wise, uh, win the Pac-12. But mm. At this point, you know, the question is, he hasn't really shown the capacity to win in those big games or to prove himself on with his team on the biggest stages. And last year's Pac-12 championship was a perfect example of that. And if USC fades at all in those big moments in this upcoming season, I, I think it's pretty clear that Clay Heldon, you know, won't be able to survive through another season. We're talking with Ryan Karchi. He's the USC beat reporter for the LA Times right here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Ryan, let's let's fast forward to 21. And going into this season, and for me also doing a lot of NFL work as well, I'm looking at that draft, saw a lot of USC Trojans leaving early, heading to the draft. How does that look for this upcoming 21 season with a lot of those primary players now going off to the NFL? That is a big question mark, especially when you talk about a player like safety Talanoa Hufanga, um, you know, now with the 49ers. I mean, he was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year, and he was just such a crucial part of the way USC's defense went on a play-by-play basis. Um, you know, he made a lot of the calls on defense. Right. He was kind of that senior presence who did a little bit of everything. I mean, he rushed the passer. He could play uh, as a deep safety. He could, he was a run stopper, almost as a middle linebacker hybrid. You're not going to really be able to replace a guy like that just with one person. So it's going to be incumbent on the rest of the defense to sort of fill in the gaps. But I think the biggest question mark in terms of someone they lose to the draft is the guy who was drafted highest, Elijah Vera Tucker. Absolutely. Um, was one of the best left tackles in college football last year uh, with the acceptance, with the exception of, their last game against Oregon when Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we lost the uh, Ryan there, but you know, we'll pick it up from there. Um, at the same time, look, you know, getting into that USC program, that's the one thing that I was taught, wanted to talk to Ryan about. They lost a lot of talent. Okay. USC did. They lost a ton of talent from, you know, he mentioned telling off Ufunga, but think about Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker uh, on the defensive side. You lost multiple players, especially cornerback safety. Elijah Griffin. Remember that we, you lost him as well. So how does this USC team figure it out? How do they move forward and figure out and get, you know, some younger players are going to have to play. But will that be enough to save Clay Helton's job? Is he still on the hot seat? It's crazy to think that. Because I think in the other programs, look, USC is coming off of a off a, an appearance in the conference championship, right? An appearance in the conference championship game, and yet here we are, same thing. They didn't win the conference championship, so now people are saying what? 
he's on the hot seat. And I'm trying to figure out where do you go from here if this season does not work out for you. And then, too, we didn't get a chance to talk a little bit about Jackson Dart. He's the all-everything quarterback that's come in as well. And I I said this before. USC wouldn't be right if they didn't have a quarterback right now in place as a starter, but then also, too, a hot-shot freshman quarterback in the wings that if the starter isn't playing well, everybody's going to be clamming for the number one quarterback in the class of 21, right? The number one quarterback in the class of 21, Jackson Dart, which just, just sounds like a football name, Jackson Dart. But, yeah, he's the backup right now currently behind Keaton Slovis, but I wouldn't be surprised. And, if, look, we know how injuries happen as well in college football. I think that's one of the reasons why Keaton Slovis – took over the starting quarterback job when JT Daniels was a starter for uh, the USC Trojans, who now JT Daniel, we know, is the starting quarterback for the University of Georgia. So we just see how things can come full circle, full circle. Good. But we'll get back to Ryan. Hopefully we can catch right back up with him and get that full interview together with Ryan Karchi of the L.A. Times beat reporter for USC. But you know what? The rest of this show is dedicated to you. Your phone calls. Your phone calls, we can talk USC, UCLA, your thoughts on Chip Kelly and Clay Helton. Who's the better quarterback here in for in terms of college football? Okay, college football, who would you rather have? Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Keaton Slovis? I'll even extend that one to the NFL. Who would you rather have right now, currently? Right now, to start the 21 season. Who would you have right now as your NFL quarterback in Los Angeles if you could pick one? Would it be Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert? Or would it be the veteran, Matthew Stafford? If you had to pick one right now on the college side and the NFL side, who would it be? Let me know. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Remember, on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison, let me know your thoughts. Give me your answers right here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Mm, L.A. Gridiron Weekly here on a Saturday, man. 710 ESPN, 877-710-3776. I want to get to a couple phone calls before I revisit that interview with Ryan Karchi of the L.A. Times USC uh, Beat Reporter. Let's go to the phone lines. we got Steve. Steve is on line one. What's up, Steve? Hey, Kirk, man. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing on this Saturday, Steve? I'm doing great. Listen, I'm so pumped about the Bruins. Fourth year, Chip Kelly. You had to turn over the roster and the culture. This man didn't forget how to coach football. DTR's fourth year. They had an on-the-job quarterback. Normally in Division I, you don't do that. It's his fourth year. Uh, The LSU game is the swing game, Kirk. They win that game. They put up a 40-burger. They go 8-4, and 7-5. and five. They go to a bowl game, win a bowl game. They had the fourth-best recruiting this year. If UCLA gets a winning record and goes to a bowl game, Chip Kelly will have turned it around. No, I, I, I'm right there with you, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, they they got to get to a bowl game this year. Uh, and, look, it's been look, it's a, kind of a complete rebuild. 
and not that Jim Mora left the program in shambles or anything like that. It's just that the way that Chip Kelly envisions the UCLA program is a lot different than the way that Jim Moore ran the program. And so, yes, obviously the dining is different. It's the way uh, that practices are different. The, the personnel is different. But it's be interesting to see because this the UCLA, I mean, sorry, Chip Kelly and Dorian Thompson Robinson, they're kind of like united at the hip, right? Like they're, they're tied at the hip because they both kind of came in together, right? It was like the first recruit for Chip Kelly. And so the success of the Bruins, uh, or maybe the, the tenure of Chip Kelly, is this season on the back of Dorian Thompson Robinson. So that's going to be the interesting uh, thought of discussion for US for UCLA. But on the USC side, look, I want to get back to this interview with Ryan Karchi. And I remember just uh, asking him, look, we're not talking USC football unless we're also talking about what a hot shot quarterback in the waiting. Ryan, it, it wouldn't be USC unless we were talking about a hot shot freshman quarterback, right? It just every year there's always a new freshman quarterback that everyone's talking about, even though there's already a starter in place. But we're always trying to replace the starter with the new hotshot freshman. Remember, we saw it with JT Daniels. We're seeing yeah. it with Sam Darnold when he came in. And now, I mean, with the coolest name, come on, man. At what point do we see Jackson Dart in 21? Or is this all about Slovis? How does this QB situation play out for USC this year? You're right. He does have the perfect quarterback name, right? <laughs> right. Plus, he, plus, he's got the blonde flow. It's oh, very, yeah. Hell yeah. Very, very Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, very 2021 quarterback. Um, but no, I, I mean, I have to say I was very impressed with how Dart looked during the spring. Uh, mm. He he has arguably the strongest arm of all the quarterbacks on the, on the team. I mean, obviously, his decision-making is still something that needs to develop, and, and he's going to make mistakes at this point. But uh, but he looked every part of, you know, Gatorade national player of the year, which he, he won, you know, this past week or last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that said, I, I don't <laughs> think we're going to see him other than in the case of an injury this season. And I think that's fine. I mean, I, I think he's certainly someone who could use a year to develop. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I know, like you said, USC fans are always eager for that next guy. And always. <laughs> you know, he, Keaton Slovis gave some reasons for concern last year. And I, right. I can understand the doubt when it comes to him and just his confidence because he wasn't the quarterback last year that he was at, in his first season. So now that said, he, everyone seems confident that he's ironed out those issues and even just watching him and Jackson Dart side by side during spring practice. I mean, you can tell that Keaton is the more poised uh, quarterback of of the two, and that should be expected at this point. Now, the real question will be after Keaton inevitably heads off to the draft following the season, assuming there's, you know, not some sort of disastrous uh, thing that happens with him, you know, does Dart step in as that next guy. And I think at this point, at least through the spring, he's shown, you know, he should be the one who, who, at least gets that first consideration, but you know, Miller Moss had his moments where, you know, he's also a highly touted quarterback. And if not for darts rise over the previous year, he would have been sort of the, the gem of that quarterback class for USC. So uh, a lot can change over the course of the next six months. And I, but I do think inevitably at some point we will probably see Jackson dart in a game this season and inevitably we'll again, hear this chorus of USC fans, you know, calling to hear him more. 
just another minute here with Ryan Karchi. He's a USC beat reporter for the LA Times. Look, I, I want to ask you this final question because obviously USC football rules college football in Los Angeles. Let's be honest. And look, they've dominated the crosstown rivalry over UCLA. UCLA has their own things going on, but I do look at the Trojans this year. And you mentioned they've played in a Pac-12 championship last year, even though they lost. But for me, I'm looking at the Pac-12 as a whole. It's a lot tougher than people give it credit for. But that being said, just in your opinion, is this can USC make the playoff? Is this a year that possibly on the arm of Keaton Slovis possibly, could they sneak into the playoff this year? Or is it a situation where you think the Pac-12 honestly may need to wait for expansion because the team's you know, east of the Mississippi are just, just that much better. Yeah. The, I don't know that any Pac-12 team uh, mm. is going to make the playoff this year. And that said, uh, you know, and maybe a team like Oregon or someone else, uh, you know, is able to sneak into that conversation and, and does go on a run. But as far as USC is concerned, I just don't think that this team has enough at key positions to make that sort of run. Now that said, I think, like you said, it, it that kind of charmed run would probably take a, a massive season out of Keaton Slovis and right. you know, something like a Heisman caliber season, one in which we're, we're talking about him potentially being a top five draft pick uh, mm. next spring. Um, now, that is totally possible. I mean, we saw as a freshman, if Keaton is able to sort of get back to that level and even build on that. Um, I wouldn't rule out the fact that he could be one of the nation's best quarterbacks, but there are still just so many question marks about this team. USC is counting on a lot of young players to sort of step in to big starring roles or to, to sort of blow up in their respective positions among them. Uh, Corey Foreman, you know, number one prospect in the nation, the defensive end could be a guy that sort of comes on like that. But when you're relying on a lot of those young guys to blow up, in their first or second seasons, there's a lot of volatility in terms of how the season could go. And at this point, it seems like that's where USC is at. So if everything does go right, (laughs) I think this could be a PAC 12 title team that said, you know, Clay Helton in the past hasn't really shown the proclivity for taking those young guys and, you know, grooming them into big, you know, seasons like that. So there's a lot riding on that though for Helton this season and for USC, you know, that's kind of where they're at in terms of keeping their fingers crossed. Well, we'll see against uh, a pesky opponent in week number one, you know, always carry the torch for the mountain West. And so I know USC versus San Jose state, the mountain West champions of 2020 to be a interesting matchup to say the least for many folks on the, for the mountain West, but if those Trojan fans, they cannot sleep on that matchup. There will be some nervous USC fans okay. during right. that game, maybe about halftime or yeah. so. Perfect, sure. man. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Man, I can't wait to catch up with you again, too. I know we're only in the middle, I mean, the beginning of June. We got still a, a lot of time before college football starts, but I can't wait to read more of your coverage, Ryan. I appreciate the time today, and uh, let's catch up again soon, closer to the season. Of course. Anytime. Perfect. That was Ryan Karchi. Ryan Karchi, K-A-R-T-J-E. He's the USC beat writer for the LA Times. Follow him on Twitter. Make sure you do that at Ryan underscore Karchi. More LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next. Your phone calls the rest of the way through. Your phone calls out there 
877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 here on LA Gridiron Weekly. Kirk Morrison, your eight-year NFL veteran, talking all things football. UCLA, USC's got some love today. I had to get some college football talk in, man. Like I said, last week the people spoke to me. They said, man, could you give us some more Pac-12, some more college football talk? We don't know what's going on here in Los Angeles. And look, you know, I know Lakers lost. They are now out of the playoffs. Game seven tomorrow, Clippers, Mavs. Uh, got some good series going on in baseball. Dodgers, Braves, rematch of the NLCS taking place right now. So, look, give you a little, <clears throat> excuse me, alternative uh, listening, alternative viewing. And our alternative listening today is LA Gridiron Weekly each and every Saturday here, 9 to 11 on ESPN 710 or 710 ESPN, right after Dr. Clapper. But this uh, this today, it's been a good show so far, man. I can't wait. I got some uh, more phone calls. Lines been lighting up. Let me get to a couple phone calls here as we wrap up some of our college football talk. And I got a got something I want for the uh, last segment coming up here. But let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on LA Gridiron Weekly. What's up, Steve? Hey, Kirk. Love your work, my man. Been listening to you since um, your pro career. Appreciate it. Um, love to hear you everywhere that you show up on the air. Oh, man, I appreciate that, Steve, man. I'm still working, man. I am still uh, molding myself. And, and, and look, man, I'm just happy to be able to share the airwaves with you. So what you got for me today, Steve, though? Tell me what you, what's on your mind. So I'm a U.S. I'm an old USC guy, old mm. like John McKay, old like Mike Garrett, O.J. Yeah. the Killer, um, <laughs> Ricky Bell, Anthony Davis, Marcus yeah. Johnson, on from there. So... Not only am I, I'm just so pained by the Pac-12 not being able to compete nationally, mm. but USC in particular, yeah. and Clay Helton, eh, it's not that I don't you know, think he's a nice guy, and probably as a, um, a supporting coach, an assistant, which is what he was, but uh, and it's not being, just being able to step up all, uh, right away and compete with Alabama, although it's embarrassing the thought that uh, Alabama can treat us like we're, we're UNLV or something like that, but it's not being able to beat Notre Dame and Stanford and teams like that. You've got to be able to defeat those teams at least back and forth. And um, if it's not recruiting – uh, if USC claims to um, be able to compete with national recruiting and five-star and four-star recruiting, then it's the coaching. You know, there's some, there's got to be an answer, and if not, then you got to find a, a name, somebody that can draw recruits either out of the pro ranks or Bob Stoops. I don't know. You know, he's – Maybe he's over the hill, but somebody charismatic enough to be able to bring in um, recruits that can compete with some of the, you know, the West is best and the East is least. (laughs) Screw those guys. Hey, Steve, man, I understand and appreciate the phone call. Um, But look, hey, Steve, you got to understand this too, man. So I hope you you hold on and listen. But understand this. I've, um, I've always tried to carry the torch for 
Pac-12 West Coast. So I am. A, I feel like I'm a Pac-12 representative, even though I didn't play in a Pac-12, but I'm a West Coast guy, so I'm always going to be biased toward that. I played in the Mountain West Conference, so I, I kind of represent the Mountain Time Zone and the Pacific Time Zone from you know San Diego State University. So when I do go to the college football seminars for ESPN and you know all the broadcasters, we're all together and we're talking about a lot of the programs. It is tough. It is tough because the Alabamas, Clemsons, Ohio States, Oklahomas, they tend to have a little bit more, I guess, notoriety right now because they're on at a time in which Pac-12 football is not. And that's been the big discussion this week in the Pac-12. David Shaw, head coach of Stanford, has been absolutely irate. He has been upset. And you know why he's been upset? Because there's a 9 a.m. kickoff for his game against a 9 a.m. local kickoff for his game against Kansas State. This is just unreal. Like, we can't be doing that to our athletes just to serve a a window of time in a college football slot. That's just not fair to the kids. And yet that's what happens as a West Coast or a Pacific time zone, mountain time zone team. You don't get those early windows or afternoon primetime windows. Right now, those windows seem to be reserved for the SEC, right? You catch it on uh, CBS, but we know that will be now moving over to ABC. So the SEC on ABC coming up in the future. It's a nice little big deal uh, that was signed uh, recently. But I understand it's just that there's there's going to be bias. It is. And a lot of it is when you look at Alabama and look at what they just look at the NFL draft that we had just a couple weeks ago. Right. About a month ago. All the NFL players drafted out of Alabama, Leatherwood, Smith, Sertan, (laughs) Waddle. They have it's an NFL factory. Some of these teams, the number one overall pick went to Clemson. For all the people out here in Southern California, St. John Bosco's DJ Uyunglele will be the new starting quarterback at Clemson. There's no way DJ Uyunglele should not be at USC, UCLA. But he's not. He's at Clemson, a team that will be on the national radar all season long. And I think kids are realizing that. Before, I thought, look, growing up for me, Staying on the West Coast was like a badge of honor, right? You stayed, you went to USC, UCLA, then Oregon in their cool uniforms in the early 2000s as well, late 90s, started to emerge as one of the football powers on the West Coast. And look, it still is. They're actually still the uh, one of two teams in the Pac-12 to ever make the college football playoff, Washington and Oregon. USC still has not made the college football playoff yet. That's disturbing. There's a legacy at USC that has been not upheld of recent. And I think that's the frustration from the fan base. I think that's the frustration that Steve, our last caller, was talking about. That frustration of not being talked about amongst the elites of college football. That's what's been going on. And you know what? The NCAA has to do something about it. And it's coming. Trust me. Not this season. But I think in years, I would say the next two years, I will not be surprised when finally college football will expand its playoff. They they have to expand. 
whether it's from four to six, whether it's from four to eight, they have to expand the playoff. Because right now you're turning off an entire section of our country, an entire section of our country. Look, I get it. Alabama, they draw. I get it. It's fun. But I'm kind of sick and tired of seeing Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then guess who your fourth is? Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and some other wild card. But that's the rotation every single year. Right now, what is today? So June 5th, Saturday, June 5th. I can tell you right now that Alabama, Clemson, they're going to be in the playoff. It's just, it's just what it is, right? <laughs> Alabama and Clemson going to be in the playoff now. Some injuries can happen. Look, whatever. But let's at least mark two teams in there. And then we say between Ohio State and Oklahoma, okay, they'll be the third. But we know there's like a small group of teams who we kind of already know is going to be in that group of four for the playoff. Expand the playoff. Get more teams the opportunity. Because I feel like, look, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Washington, the Pac-12 may not be on the level of the SEC, but I think it's a darn good conference. And I feel like sometimes the teams beat each other up because they're good football teams. The parity in the Pac-12, I think it's a much tougher than maybe the SEC from top to bottom. The SEC is just Alabama. I think you throw in Georgia. You throw in a couple schools, but... It's 14 schools in the SEC, I believe, 14. I think that's the number. And let's just say six are legitimate contenders. We maybe push to eight. But then there, that bottom six, they're just mediocre. I look at the Pac-12, man. It's a dogfight every single week, all 12 of them. I don't care who you're going up against. Even Oregon State, they back, right? <laughs> Washington State, we've seen what's going on on the Palouse on Friday nights when you when Washington State's playing. You're not just going to go up in there and, and, and run over Washington State. I think UCLA is on the rise. I'm telling you, man. So, yes, I'm always going to carry the torch for the West Coast, and I believe it's not about recruiting. It's just about winning. And if you're able to expand the playoff, if you're able to do more, it allows more teams the opportunity because you just can't run through the the, the Pac-12 plays a nine-team schedule. Like, you got to play nine teams within your conference. The SEC only plays eight. ACC, they only play eight. So they play four cupcakes, and they play an eight-game regular season. I mean, that's just – I mean, an eight-game conference schedule. Like, <laughs> trust me, if I, I can get up more on this. If you want to start hear me get fired up and talking about – the biases i will get into them but i do love the game and look some teams warrant that kind of attention but i think that for the west coast team especially usc ucla even to think about it you always would have someone on the west coast that we would talk about for the heisman who is your heisman on the west coast the only person i can think of right now is Kayvon thibodeau remember that name Kayvon thibodeau ryan karchi talked about a little bit earlier he was the defensive end from Oregon to be a top five pick next year in the 2022 NFL draft. But other than that, can you believe that West coast? We don't really know who the Heisman favorite is 
on this side of the country. Now, look, I know there's going to be some across the country. We'll see. From, you know, Oklahoma's got some guys. Um, and, you know, young Lele, he could be a rise to that Heisman Trophy quarterback at Clemson now. But we shall see. We shall see, man. Woo, sorry, I had to get fired up on that one. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-376. Tweet at me, at Kirk Morrison. I mentioned again earlier in the show, if you missed it, I took a tour of Allegiant Stadium down in Las Vegas, the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Had a chance to tour that stadium, so now I'm two for two. I've toured Allegiant. I've done a half tour at SoFi. I can't wait to do the full tour and get down to ground level and see everything now that – Things are starting to open back up. But, yeah, if you want to see a picture of some things I did down in Allegiant Stadium, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram at Kirk Morrison, K-I-R-K-M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N. The Coach of the Year odds are in. The NFL Coach of the Year odds are in. L.A. is dominating in the early coach of the year odds i'll tell you what i mean coming up next here on la gridiron weekly on 710 espn oh final segment here la gridiron weekly on this beautiful saturday the sun is shining here in los angeles can't wait to get out go uh do some driving a little bit buckle up i'm safe maybe head down to the beach uh, see what's going on down there. I've got a couple phone calls I want to get to just before we get to the two-minute drill as this show begins to come to an end. Let's go out to uh, Long Beach. Patrick, he's in Long Beach. What's up, Patrick? Hey, Kirk. Thanks for taking my call. I, I appreciate you. No, uh, no doubt. What's I'll up, man? I'll speak it quick, but it's a lot on my mind. When it comes to the – I'm a huge Pac-12 guy. I love the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those guys that if my rivals not play – if we're not playing each other – we need to be good. That's what college football is now. You need your conference to be good. And there's a couple things going against the Pac-12 and USC especially is I blame for the conference, I blame the NCAA. And for USC, I blame the people running it. The third largest endowment out of any university in the country by like $20 billion. Money is no object. Let's get that, that out of there. Two, you, you have a new president. And then you also have, you know, we can go back to, to what SC was. You know, when Clay Matthews, Jordan Cameron, people like Matt Castle, those weren't right. even stars at the time. That's how good <laughs> they were. That's how deep they were. Right. Then not destroying Cadillac Williams, you know, Ronnie Brown, Jason Campbell at Auburn. Yeah. Shutting down Virginia Tech, like destroying the, the SEC, destroying everyone. Correct. It was a pro football team for us. It was fun. And the conference was good. You know, Aaron Rodgers had Cal. You had um, Cal could win. Oregon could win. It was fun to watch. And, and, and because you into NCAA, you know, nationally, they didn't know. They don't see it. Whatever. That's fine. Then you have the NCAA crack down on SC for institutional control. Okay. A couple of years later in court, Todd McNair wins against the NCAA. The judge said, no, you know, bias, no foundation, no evidence. Right. The appeal NCAA still says no because <laughs> no, no, no reasoning. You know, Costa man, great coach's career. Okay, you know, whatever hurts it. Now we have Clay Helton, who I like. I think he's a great guy. But this is USC. This is the best program on the West Coast. This is the best. You have the money, and I blame the school when they're saying, "Okay, we're okay with 
having a mediocre coach as opposed to we should have the best coach in the country. And I think that's the problem. And when your your darling of your conference doesn't care, your recruits are leaving, I, I think that makes it hard for West Coast football. And, and like you, like I, I like to see uh, – you know, San Diego State good. I, I like to see when, when Fresno State, you know, could play anyone. Right. Uh, and I, I think that hurts college football. I don't blame. We do got to win, uh, but I think it's a lot of factors that we can control that we're not, and it's kind of sad to see. You know, it, it's, Yeah, Patrick, uh, you know what, Patrick, I, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I think I have one remedy so far. The, the new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klikoff, okay? George Klikoff is a new Pac-12 commissioner, not Larry Scott. Larry Scott no longer the commissioner. So we'll see what Klikoff has because he can get out of that horrible Pac-12 network dealership, I mean, deal in which didn't get any notoriety. He wasn't stretching across multiple boards. They had ESPN was trying to team up with the Pac-12 to get more exposure. Larry Scott said no. So that's why you have to do that. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more phone call, one more phone call before we get to the two-minute drill. Let's go to uh, let's go to Mike real quick. Mike over in Santa Monica. What's up, Mike? Hey, Kirk, preaching to the choir, baby. Number Good, one, man. Hire, you got 20 seconds for hire, me, brother. Hire a commissioner for college football. Two, mm. make the SEC play nine games like everybody else. Three, make the SEC get rid of playing Division II teams. Make the, <laughs> you know, the, the logo for the SEC is it means more because we cheat. I can't stand the <laughs> SEC. L- UCLA is going to wipe LSU's ass. Al- <laughs> Nobody cares about Alabama and Clemson east-west of the Mississippi, and until that changes and until they hire a commissioner that will make an even playing field, how a four-star guy in Washington can't get into Washington but can get into Alabama, or Jalen Phillips can't get into UCLA. I got you, Mike. I got you, Mike. I got to get to the two-minute drill. the two-minute drill on <laughs> L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Oh, man, the two-minute drill here. Man, fired up, man. Mike, Patrick, man, appreciate the phone calls. Bring that same energy next week as well here on LA Gridiron Weekly. I teased about the uh, coaching odds. They are in. Who's going to be coach of the year? Well, two of the five best odds to win coach of the year right here in Los Angeles. Brandon Staley, Rams, former defensive coordinator, at a plus 1,300 to be the coach of the year. Sean McVay, just a couple slots down, plus 1,400. So two of the five early odds to be coach of the year in the National Football League right here in Los Angeles. Brandon Staley and Sean McVay. Brandon Staley, I can understand. Sean McVay, I mean, like I said, he's got to get to a conference championship we talked about earlier for him to get to uh, I think coach of the year status. This is a team that's Super Bowl or bust. They get that way, definitely. I can see Sean McVay being an NFL coach of the year. But to, to kind of ring it out, Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. But Cleveland Browns, similar situation. They made the playoffs last year. They got to go further than they did this year. So he's in there. Kyle Shanahan with San Francisco, who's been a thorn in the Rams side. Uh, and also Brian, Brian Flores. I can see him being coach of the year. He's one of the top five candidates as well. The head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Man, a great show that we had today. We had my, uh, James Williams, James H. Williams, reporter for UCLA, the OC Register. Ryan Karchi joined us from the LA Times. He is the USC beat reporter. We got a great show lined up for you next week. I can't wait. It's a big treat for you for Steve Pallette. He's been my engineer and my board guy, man. 
and Chris Morales done all the imaging. I am Kirk Morrison. This has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.